All right. Good morning. We're back over here, and it's just us again. Um, praise God, number one, for what God is doing. That is amazing. I was sitting there in my chair, and I'm like, well, I don't know exactly how to follow that up. Um, <laughs> I can't grow a second kidney, I don't think, um, but maybe I can. But the miracle is, is that I was thinking about it, is like, so last night I flew in, um, I've been traveling the last two weeks, so I flew, and if I would have said that 100 years ago to someone and saying, okay, I was in Chicago last night, Haiti before that, and I flew in, that would be a miracle, Right? And, and we were, before the service today, we, we were meeting as a group, and we were talking about what are we thankful for? You know, what, what is it that, that we as a group are thankful for? Where have we seen God move? And I said, I'm thankful for travel. I'm thankful that I can go to places, I can experience God's people. I can travel and, and sit someplace that 100 years ago would have been absolutely impossible. At the same time, come back here and be with my church family on, on a Sunday morning. And so God works miracles through all things, and we're thankful for that. Uh, for those that are new um, or maybe haven't been in this, uh, this auditorium service, um, we are shifting gears this week a little bit. We have been in flourishing and exile, and we've been primarily sitting in Jeremiah and First Peter. And this week, we're going to shift, shift gears for two weeks, and we're going to go back to the Sermon on the Mount a couple years ago, we spent time in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, but Kevin and uh, what he felt very strongly was is that now that we've gone through this, this sermon series on exile, what this means to be an exile, that the Sermon on the Mount would take on a different form for us. We've developed maybe a new set of eyes, a new set of ears, be able to see God's presence differently. And so as before we jump into the text, I want to I read these notes uh, from Kevin that he, he sent over to me and to understand where we're coming from. Because again, the goal of this is so that we can flourish in exile, that we can be a people that in despite our, our circumstances, wherever God is at, that we can flourish. And so in today's fundamental cultural beliefs, here's what is happening in our culture today. Number one is that the highest good is individual freedom, happiness, self-definition, and self-expression. That traditions, religion, received wisdom, regulation, the social, social ties that restrict individual freedom, happiness, and self-definition, and self-expression, those must be reshaped, deconstructed, or destroyed. That the world will inevitably improve as the scope of individual freedom grows. Technology will be the main instigator in this process. The primary social ethic is tolerance of everyone's self-defined quest for individual freedom and self-expression. Any deviation from this emphasis on tolerance is considered dangerous and not to be tolerated. Humans are inherently good, but institutions are suspect at best and evil at worst. Forms of external authority are rejected and personal authenticity is elevated. So how can we flourish as exiles in the years ahead in this type of culture? That's where I want to lead us into the Sermon on the Mount. So if you can, open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to focus on the Beatitudes today, chapters 3 through 12. 
Um, the good news is, is you've got the Tim and Tim show coming up this week, so I'm going to take on the Beatitudes. Tim Hiram is coming the next couple weeks, or next week, and he'll do chapter 6 and 7. Um, I'm really just setting the ground for him uh, to be able to move this through. And, and I pray that as we read this, God makes something new to you. Um, that's, you know, we've read this, we've heard this, we've read this, we've, at some point we've probably seen this, but I pray that there's a new spirit that falls fresh upon you. Again, because of where we've been and where you've gone, that you can read this with new eyes and gather something new that God wants to speak back into you. So we're going to start in uh, chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So I first want to start with is that the Beatitudes, at first when I've read this, is I've always thinking this was some type of, of to-do. You know, this is something that you're supposed to strive to become. You know, this is the, the to-do list in, in what we're supposed to, you know, and you look at that and you're like, well, that's impossible. How can I, how can I incorporate all those things? But first thing as I've looked at this is I realize is that what Jesus is saying here is this isn't a to-do. So it has a lot less to do with what you're to do it doesn't even necessarily have to be what you are to be. What Jesus is saying in this is that this is who we are. When we are followers of Christ, this is who we are. And so this is the foundation that he builds upon throughout the rest of this passage. And so we have to get this right in order to understand what's to come later. And so again, he has in this, when he's teaching, he's teaching his disciples. So he brings his disciples, his apostles, his people that are following him, and he says to them, if you're going to be in my kingdom, this is what you are. And if you do that, what a blessed life you will have. Okay, so I want us to make sure we understand. This is something that he's bringing us into. And within that, and let's go to uh, slide number six is that there is three really critical themes out of this that before we jump into the individual passages. is First is that in order for us to inherit the kingdom of God, in order for us for to be disciples of Christ, we must be emptied first before we're to be filled. There needs to be an emptying process within us before we can be filled. It's not just one more thing we add to the list. It's not just one more characteristic that we bring on. It's that that which was of us, that which was human, that is which is of this culture, needs to be emptied out of us so that Christ can fill us back up. That's number one. 
Number two is that the values that we would traditionally lean upon, the things that we believe would, would bring us, uh, well, Alan was talking about earlier before we met, he, he said, well, I, I just want to be fat, dumb, and happy. You know, the whole fat, dumb, and happy thing, right? The, the values that we as, as people say, well, that's what we want to strive towards, um, everything is reversed. Everything is, is opposites, which is the kingdom of God. And lastly is that through this, we will be persecuted and there will be conflict. And what's really amazing to me is we've been in 1 Peter. And you got to remember that Peter started when he followed Jesus is he wanted the, cross, the, the king without the cross. I mean, he wanted the Christ that didn't have to go through the opposition. He, did, he wanted the Christ that, that didn't have to go and was on the cross and died. Yeah, right? He was the one that said, when Jesus said he, he was going to die, and he said, no, like, that's not what we're doing. You're here, you're here to be that, that level three leader, that, that political leader, the Messiah that's going to take all the, the Jews and, and, and raise us up and take, get rid of the Romans and get them out of here. And Jesus said, no, that's not the way of the kingdom. And through that, by the time that Peter finished, what was he writing in 1 Peter you know, he was the one that was saying, uh, you know, do not find it strange that you will be persecuted. Because at last he understood that the characteristics, the character that Christ wanted to develop in us, that that's what had to happen for us to develop that character. In order for us to do that, we had to develop that character. And you'll see through this the progression and the flow that Christ lays out so that we can understand that better. Because again, if you just say, well, you know, do this and you're going to be persecuted. That doesn't sound like a path that most of us want to go down, right? It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to sign up for that because that means persecution and conflict. But you got to understand is in the kingdom, Christ will go before us. Christ will be in us. He will dwell in us. And there will be a peace that surpasses understanding and conflict. And that will be available to you. Because at the end of the day, all these things, the Beatitudes, as we look at them, they're really a reflection of Christ. These are the characteristics of Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure of heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And blessed are those that are persecuted. Those are reflections of Christ. And so what we have to remember in all of this is that we are to be little Christ in our life. And so naturally, if we indwell and take on more of Christ, what's gonna happen? We are going to take more of his spirit. And if people see Christ in us, and ultimately that leads to persecution and conflict because that's what came to Jesus, we can stand back and say, you know what? This isn't about me anyway. This is about Christ and his kingdom and what's coming. And I get to be a part of it. I get to be a part of that. So let's jump into a couple of the actual verses and dig, dig into them. So let's start with the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if you put up slide three, uh, the picture. So last week Sunday, um, this is where I was sitting. Um, I was sitting in church in, in Peon, Haiti. This is a rural church. This is what church looks like. Dirt floors, um, chairs that are not as comfortable as those chairs, um, Palm fronds as far as the side of the, the, the buildings, um, tarps that go beside it. Um, 
and three-hour services. So I was told today that, you know, Marcus and them were going to take 15. So it didn't matter. I could go three hours. They were perfectly fine with me going three hours today. And you guys get to be the blessed ones. I get to receive that. Um, but, but through that, I love going to church at a place like this because it just, it reminds me again that the Spirit of God is everywhere. It is presence. You can walk into a building with people um, I, I, 80% of our families are illiterate, okay? 80% of our families are illiterate. Um, $1.25 a day is what our average family makes. But the presence is thick. Jesus is there. He has gone before us. And for the first time in the history of the church, Jesus ushers out and says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He invited people like this into the kingdom. Because again, remember at that point, it was the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the laws and the temple gates and the, the where you could go within the temple and you had to make the sacrifices and you had to pay the money in order to enter the kingdom of God. And he said, no, 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 no. The kingdom of heaven is with the poor in spirit. And who are the poor in spirit? They are those that are desperately crying out to God because they know they cannot make a way to heaven on their own. They're at a state where they know I am in need of a savior because I cannot do it on our own. You know, I love the example of, of let's just say, in order to go to heaven, you have to be 100. So 100's on this side of the, of the stage. And when we're born, we're at a zero. And for some of us, maybe we can do a few things. We, we, we can, you know, say the right prayers, do the right things. But you know what? The most we could get to is maybe like a 20. And those that are terrible, maybe get to a two. You know, there's a two and a 20. The problem is we're still not 100. And we will never be 100, ever. We will never, ever, ever be 100. And what Christ did is he came down and he said, I will stand in front of you and I will make up the difference. And that is for everybody. But you have to be in a state of repentance to say, I need a savior. Because when you do, the kingdom of heaven is yours. You can go to blank screen, Mike. The second thing is, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now this one's always a weird one, mourn. What, what does that mean? Well, what do you do when you mourn? You weep, you cry, you fall on your knees. And through that mourning process, the death that comes upon us, we are emptied of ourselves. Walk with anybody who's mourned. And what do they say? There's an emptiness inside of me. There's something that, that has gone away from me. Something that was once there is not there anymore. And the physical tears, I think, show and demonstrate this of what's inside of us comes out of us and it goes out. And Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. And they're not just mourning from a physical death, but they're mourning because they realize I am a sinner and I cannot do it. I need a savior. And woe is me because in light of what Christ has done, who am I? Right? Who am I? And I mourn for my sin. I'm not taking sin lightly. I'm not just saying, oh, well, there's grace. So, you know, let's sin away. It's that there is a, there is a cross and a Christ that stood before us and we understand where we're at because in that we can be comforted because Jesus can come and comfort us. 
So first, understand where you are in relationship to God. You need to repent, which leads us into mourning, which empties ourselves. And the next thing is, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, meekness was despised in the culture. I mean, and meekness is really despised in our culture, right? I mean, I was just with a group of people, non-believers, and, and one of the things that was said when we were talking about some characteristics and, and servant leadership and those type of things is, well, people will just run all over you. I mean, how are you ever going to do anything if you're a servant leader? Because people are just going to run all over you. And that's our first concept, right? It's like the, the, the meek are those that get run over. And again, what, what, what Christ is saying here is that you understand and you, you see that you cannot make up the difference. So you repent, which leads you into mourning. And when you mourn, you understand your place in the kingdom. And so go to slide uh, eight. And this has been revolutionary for me. I, I read this a couple years ago in a book by Bryant Myers, which is called uh, Walking with the Poor. And all, ultimately, we are all in need of a Savior. And we all have some major, major uh, brokenness in our identity of how we view ourselves. But it looks different between the poor and the non-poor. And so the poor, um, this would be physically poor. And these are people that I walk with in Haiti a lot of times. These are people that are poor, that something has gone, happened to them where there's brokenness inside of them. Is that number one, they, they don't believe that they are made in God's image and that they are called to be children of the king. We are all children of the king, and so it doesn't matter if I can't read and write. It doesn't matter if I have no money. It doesn't matter if I've, if I've sinned so far away. We are all made in God's image, and that in that image that we are to reign and rule with him because he is our God and we are his children. And so we have to believe that they have gifts to contribute and that they are called to be productive stewards in creation. That everyone who is in that poor category, that that is... God has made them in the image, and they are called to be productive stewards. They have a gift and a talent to give to the kingdom. Now, for me, I don't deal with that problem as much. I deal with number two, and this is where I struggle with. Because I sit in a non-poor category more times in my life. I have abundance. I have abundance of education. I've, I've, I've had the blessing of some of that, but also my blessing is also my blind spot. And what I need to do and where I struggle with is that I need to lay down my God complex because you know what? I cannot control anything. I cannot control outcomes. I cannot control what's gonna happen to me. And when I lay down that God complex and I believe that I am made in God's image and I myself am not the God, God will start to do amazing things in my life. Because when, I, when that happens, then I believe that my gifts are for sharing and not for control, and that they are, I am to lead as a servant, not as a master. I am a steward. My money is not my money. It came before me. It's gonna be there after me. I'm a blip on the radar screen that gets to control it for this amount of time. My gifts and talents, they're not mine. I can't control them. I could, have, I could be walking today and I could be handicapped tomorrow. I could, I could fall off the, I could get in a, an accident on the way home and I could be gone. They're not mine. I can't control it. No matter how much we try to control things, they can't be. And so what Christ is saying here is that the meek shall inherit the earth. Now, that does not mean that I am dirt. I am nothing. I am, I am no good for anything. But it doesn't also mean that I am God. It's a humble understanding of where you reign and rule in the kingdom. I am not God, I am not dirt, I am a child of the king, and I stand beside him, and I co-reign with him, but it is because of him what he's done that I can be able to do this. 
It's what Tom talked about last week, of the death of the ego. It's what a lot of us struggle with, is the death of that ego. And what does it say? Well, they'll inherit the earth. Now, the, the thing about this is I've been reading this, and I was thinking about this is, and again, thinking about characteristics of Christ. So when Christ went to the desert, he was tempted by the devil. And one of the things that he said to him is, is if you would bow down to me, I will give you the whole earth. I, which will mean this is, this is Satan's territory right now. I will give you the whole earth. And, you know, thinking back, it's like, well, why would Jesus do that? He made the heavens and the earth. He's the ruler, reigner, everything. Why would he ever bow down? But why he bowed down, why Satan wanted to bow down? Because Jesus knew for him to inherit the kingdoms of the earth as he wanted to, that meant there was a cross coming. There was a death of himself coming. There was pain, there were sufferings, and he had to walk through that. And Satan says, I'll just give it to you. All you got to do is bow down in front of me. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. I am going to walk through this death that has to happen. And for a lot of us, there's a death that has to happen inside of us, of that ego, of that pride, of this, this unjust belief, whether that means that I am nothing and I am no good and I have nothing to offer the kingdom, or that means I can control outcomes that all this is mine. There's a death that has to come. And when we do that, he says they will inherit the earth. Who's the only one that controls the earth? Christ, right? Christ is the one that inherits the earth. He's the one that reigns and rules. And again, we in meekness understand our relationship with Christ so we can co-reign with him on earth. Move on to number, uh, verse number six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled so hunger and thirst, not just for something that, that fills our physical need, but it's for righteousness, which is justice. The things that God cares about. The things in, in Luke 4. To preach the good news. To, to proclaim the freedom for the prisoner. To recover their sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And what he says is that when you, again, you understand the need to repent, you move into that repentance and you mourn for your sin, which allows you to sit in meekness. And when you're in meekness, what does Christ do? He starts to fill you back up. Because when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, he starts to fill you. Out with you, in with Christ. And when you start to have that hunger and thirst for righteousness and you're filled, you are blessed. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. These are people that understand is that I have been saved so I can go and forgive others. I have been forgiven so I can forgive others. I have had this happen to me so I can go do this now. Because again, they're in the right space. Now they're being filled. They can do things that are incredible. They can show mercy in areas that like, you know what, why would you ever show mercy in that situation? Well, they can because they're going through this process. And it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Pure in heart goes back to um, no idols. Nothing that's before you that's, that's standing in the way. You can see God because you know what? You have nothing that is blocking your view of him. There's no idols. There's nothing in front of you. And so I will have a pure heart. And when you have a pure heart, when you have no idols, when you've gotten rid of those out of your life, who do you see all the time? Christ. You see his kingdom. Again, when you're in this progression of, I've repented for my sin, I've, I, I've mourned for that, I now am in a space where I can sit and, and understand my reign and rule where I'm at in the kingdom. I have then been filled and I understand what 
justice means and how to serve God. I've been, I can show mercy. I can show forgiveness because of what I've been forgiven. And when I do, I start to see the kingdom. It's like these scales have fallen off my eyes. And I'm like, I see the kingdom in all things. I can see God in people that I never thought I would see God in. I can see God in situations. And I'm like, I've never seen God in that situation. But he's there. He's there. And so your heart is pure so you can see that. And then he says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the sons of God. Because here's the thing is when we live like that, when the scales have fallen off our eyes, when we can see God's people and his work around us, we become peacemakers. We become the people of peace. We become those who come and seek peace. And we can, we can do that because we can reign and rule with God. Now here comes the crazy part is then, okay, so all this stuff is happening. And that sounds really great. I've all signed up for that. Check my box. And then comes this last part. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who people, when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is reward in heaven. For in the same way they were persecuted, the prophets who were before you. So number one, he says it twice. If you didn't catch that, the rest of them he didn't say twice. But he says this persecution thing twice. Probably because we like, hey, we get the top part, let's, let's forget the last part. Um, but he says it twice, which to me means, listen, listen. Jesus, when his time on this earth, he healed, he loved, he walked it. He came out and he was with the oppressed. He was with the marginalized. He was with the women. He was with the children. He was with the handicapped. He's with those that were outcasts of the system. He loved them. He cherished them. He lifted them up. He elevated them. He challenged. And through that, he had to go through the cross in order for us to be saved. But he overcame the cross. He rose again. He sent into heaven. He's going to come back again. When we display the characteristics of Christ, when we do these seven characteristics ahead of time, and those fruits start to manifest themselves in our lives, there will be persecution that comes against us. Because this world hates the light. They want to drown out the light. Satan still roams this earth, and he'll want to drown out the light. And here's the thing is if you walk through those and those characteristics are embedded inside of you and you start to see this and you walk in this, I guarantee you it comes. But here's the thing is when that happens, you can step back and say, you know what? This isn't about me. This is about Christ. They see Christ in me. He is indwelled in me so much that they see Christ in me. And because of that, they're persecuting me. Praise God. He says, rejoice and be glad. And I know for some of you that maybe you're not there yet, and that's, that's okay. You're on a journey. You're on a path. You're going to get there. For some of you, you've met some of these people. You're like, you know what? This has happened to them, and I'm like, how can they praise God in this situation? I don't, I don't get it. But it's because the kingdom of God is near. Not only in heaven, but it's inside of them. And it's displayed everywhere else.
And so that's how we can step back and say we can rejoice in persecution because God has worked in our lives so much that people see Christ in us. We have put to death that which is, is of the world to gain something that's so much better. And it doesn't matter what happens around here because we have eternal perspectives of where God is going to move. And so in closing, I want to finish with one story. And I think it just displays again the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God doesn't move the way we always think. And it's, it's amazing when you step back and think about it. Um, show the slide of, of my daughter um, in Haiti. And so uh, the next one before that. That one. So this summer... Um, and this is where God wants to teach us through. He wants to teach the story through a blind woman and a, and a little girl. Because isn't that how God moves most of the time? Through that which is weak, which that shouldn't be teaching us stories. And it's not through me. It's not through my stories. It's through this. So this summer, we, we went to Haiti as a family, and it was a blessed time. God was, was rich. He was there. Um, and during one of those times, uh, we went out and we delivered it was an audio Bible. Um, and so it has the whole New Testament in Creole for our families. Because again, our families are, are uh, 80% illiterate. And so they've never been able to access the word of God on their own. Um, in particular, though, we also really focus on handicapped, people that are physically handicapped. And so um, this beautiful young lady is a blind woman. And she had never been able to access the kingdom of God on her own. She became blind giving birth to her third daughter. Um, you'll see a picture of her. Well, and actually, she's not in the next one. She had, a, she had a daughter, and during the child labor, something burst in her eyes, and she became blind. So she never got to see her daughter. She never got to be there. And, and now she basically is dependent upon them. And so this summer, we went and we, we did that. Now, the other side of this is my daughter um, is a sixth grader, and she took all of her money at VBS and she gave it to the VBS to go buy this audio Bibles. It's $41. And so I saw her go home one day and she took all her piggy banks and she's emptying it out and she's running around the house finding loose change and, and, and she came up with $33 is what she had. And she said, well, can you give me eight more? And I said, well, have you given all that you've got? She says, yeah, I did. I did. I said, okay, I'll give you the eight more. And so we were able to buy this audio Bible player. And again, she, this was in Pella when she did this. And she had the blessing of going down to Haiti. And so we went and we delivered her audio Bible that she had purchased. And we delivered one audio Bible in the whole, the whole area. One. Because we, we were just there and we just did one. And so there's 30,000 people in our community. And um, I mean, it's, it's, it's big as Pella. I mean, there's a lot of things. And so this last Sunday, that picture that I showed you, I walk into church in this little rural dinky church in the middle of nowhere, and all of our group went ahead of us, and they sat in these seats. And so there was one seat open, one seat in this whole thing, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go sit there. And I was all by, by Haitians, so I wasn't with um, some of the Americans, I was with the Haitians. And I sit down and show the picture, the next one. And I sit right next to the lady that we gave the audio Bible to. Because I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm praying, I'm worshiping, and I look over and I see in her hand, she's cradling her audio Bible. And I look and I'm like, oh my God, that's the lady we gave the audio Bible to. The one person out of 30,000 people in this little dinky church. 
And that's her daughter. That's the one she gave childbirth to and she lost, she lost her sight during that childbirth. And so I pulled out my phone because I took video of, of my daughter and pictures of it because I was like, is this really her? And I looked at it, I was like, yeah, this is her. And I show her daughter the pictures and all of a sudden her daughter's like, mom, mom. And she shakes him she said, and she goes, the white guy sitting next to us, he gave us the Bible. And she goes, and the, and the, so the blind lady's like, you could see her face, her expression. She goes, Zami Muen, my friend, my friend who gave me the Bible. And she gives me a big hug and she kisses me on the cheek. And then we took that picture and the whole service, she's, she, then she, she got really close to me and she put her hand on my knee and she sat there with the whole service with her hand on my knee. And that's the kingdom of God. Okay, you can't, you can't make that stuff up. You can't plan that out. You can't go to a script and say, well, this is how this is going to work. It's when you go and you say, you know what? I'm going to die of myself. I understand that I am in need of a savior. And when I do, I'll inherit the kingdom of heaven. And then it moves into that I mourn because of the, the wretchedness and the sin that I see around me and in me. And through that mourning, Jesus will come and comfort me. I move to meekness. I understand where I am, but I, I reign and rule with Jesus because he's going to do incredibly more than I ever imagined. He's going to put me right next to this one lady that I delivered the audio Bible to to remind me of his faithfulness. Because I was, at that point, I was a little bit, I needed a sign. We all have that at times, right? We need a sign. Like, God, we need something again. Show me something. And when we do, then we develop that thirst and hunger because now I, I thirst and hunger a lot more than I did a week ago. I thirst and hunger for that righteousness, for that justice, for, for people like a blind lady in Haiti to receive the word of God so it can transform her life. I can now show mercy more because of the mercy that I've received. My heart is more pure and it continues to get more pure. And when I do, I can see God in that. And when I see God, I become a peacemaker amongst my people. And when persecution comes and people falsely accuse me of different things, I stand because I'm like, you know what? This isn't about me never been about me. It's about Christ. And I, I reign and rule with him. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you came to this earth and you taught us. You showed us. You lived for us. Father God, we come before you and we repent today. We repent of that which we know is not of you, of the sins in our lives, of the brokenness that, that we have caused ourselves. And Father, we give it to you. And to the shed blood of Jesus Christ, Father, we lay it at the foot of the cross for you to deal with as you will. Father, I pray for healing of anything that is binding us, anything that is holding us back, anything that is not allowing us to move forward in your kingdom. Because, Father, we put you before us, and because you are before us, you know, we know that God sees us as white as snow. May we believe that today in our hearts, and may we live that in our lives so that this world can see you in us. Father, bless us with your peace that surpasses understanding. Bless us in the persecution. Continue to remain in us and help us to flourish in exile. And it is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.
So one thing I want to do with us before we, before we leave today, and I know I'm not, I only want to feel like, I don't like it when they tell me what to do, but I hope, trust me, I want you to do this with me. I want you to put your hands out in front of you like this. What I want us to do is I want to do three deep breaths. And what I want you to do is when you take those breaths and say, Christ, fill me. And then basically when you exhale, say um, something to the extent of I'm like less of me, more of Christ. Or say more of Christ, less of me. More of Christ, less of me. And take three really deep breaths. We'll do it together. And on your breath, say more of Christ, less of me. Okay, so let's do this together. More of Christ, less of me. More of Christ, less of me. More of Christ, less of me. May the peace of God our Father, may the love of Jesus Christ be with you now and forever. Amen.